Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Teresa, I totally lied in our last episode. What? You're a liar. Why? It was unintentional lying, but we were talking mm, about... Are you sure? Or are yeah. you just a liar? We were talking about the mighty Chewbacca in the Forest of Fear book. Oh, you got the name right this time? I got the title right. And we were talking about how we were both wanting to read it, and you were saying you were going to do the audiobook. And I was like, you know what? This one, I'm not going to do the audiobook. I'm going to read it. I think it'll be a better experience that way. And then, literally, like within days after I said that on our show, I went and got the audiobook. Wow. So. Yeah. Wow. So the I task know. of actually reading it, you know, not on an audiobook falls to me now? Well. No, because you're not going to do that. You're going to listen to audio book too. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was more because I was planning on reading it, but I was on a road trip and looking for something to listen to, and that was like a short audio book, and I thought it would be fun, so I just bought it and listened to it. You know, you could have used that opportunity to read a non-Star Wars book. I could have. But we have saying. a lot of books to read. So I was trying to knock one out. And it's only a three-hour audiobook. So I knew on this road trip I could knock it out, be done with it. And I'm glad I did because it was actually a really fun audiobook. I don't know if we're going to get around to reviewing that one on Bookworms. I'm sure we will. But so I don't maybe I shouldn't say too much because I don't want to, like, you know, review it now. Sounds but good. It was pretty cool, though. I think you'll okay. like it. Why are you talking about punching an audiobook? You're like, punching. knock it out. Oh, knock it out. Not now. That's not nice. Just knock it out. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, I just wanted to let you know, because I felt guilty. I had proclaimed that I was not going to do the audiobook, and then I did the audiobook. So I felt like I needed to confess. Oh, I mean, I'm not mad about it, but maybe our listeners are. And it's like a multi-person cast as well, kind of like uh, The Last Shot is. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool, too, but. Once again, we're not reviewing it now. We'll talk about it later. No. Talk about it later. Another time. Another time. So something that you and I both actually really like is the world of Lego. And since we're still in our, I guess, solo place right now, since we're still covering solo-related stuff, uh, they are releasing what all the Comic-Con exclusives are going to be in Lego released that they will be doing a Millennium Falcon cockpit set. And there is a picture of it. And it's small. It's not a very big set. And it's really cute. And it has two minifigures. It has Solo, or Han, and Chewbacca from the movie. Which is yes. pretty neat. Because that, min- that Han Solo minifigure is really cool. Uh, and I think... I think you can get it in two sets. I think you can get it in the Kessel Run Falcon and then in Han Solo Speeder. But I don't know about Chewbacca. I think he's only available in the Kessel Run Speeder or Falcon set. But I don't know any of that for sure. Hmm. 
Yeah, I've been limiting most of my merchandise purchases to Lego and pop stuff. Mm. Yeah, see, I quit pop stuff. Yeah, and I'm kind of, I'm starting to get on the tail end, I think, of my pop obsession. I'm kind of like, kind of looking at other things and even the uh, brickheads are starting to become more interesting to me than pops. Yeah, yeah, me too, because the brickheads are interesting to build. Like, it's right. actually, it's it's really cool to see how they design those. But speaking of pops, you might have to hold on before you decide to quit with pops. Yeah? <laughs> because there's Clone Wars pops coming. There's Finally. two different Ahsokas, uh, an Anakin, an Obi-Wan, a Yoda... And I don't remember if that's all. I think there's like five. Cad Bane, um, right? Isn't there Cad Bane coming? Yeah. Oh, that I don't know. I think that might be a Comic-Con exclusive, actually. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think it is It is Clone Wars, but it's it's not just going to be in the stores. I think it's going to be... I thought I had heard it's Comic-Con exclusive, but maybe Hot Topic's going to get it too. But mm. I didn't do a ton of research, so I could be wrong about that. My purchase for Pops and even Lego sets sometimes kind of revolves around a movie release. And so, like, when Solo came out, I bought a couple of the Solo Lego sets and a couple Pops. Um, same thing with Last Jedi and Rogue One. But then I usually go on a break. So if, you know, if there's not another movie until Episode Nine, then that might be the next time I, I grab Pops. Yeah, I didn't buy any of the Solo Lego sets. Wasn't interested. Still not interested. And I didn't buy any Pops at all. Yeah, my Lego sets right now that I want all revolve around Jurassic World and soon Harry Potter. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although I will say the brickheads that they revealed for Star Wars, like the Yoda and Luke. Oh set, yeah, no, those are like when those come out. Yeah, then I'll be I'll be purchasing some more merchandise. Did you like the build of the Chewbacca brickhead? Because I want that one. Yeah, it was good, but I'm really in, I'm really starting to like some of these new releases I've seen. The Yoda Luke really caught my eye. The the Harry Hedwig really caught my eye. So Dumbledore I, is good. The yeah, Dumbledore so looks amazing. There's some that haven't been released yet that have gotten me interested in that series or in that set of uh, collectibles because I never really was that. I didn't think I'd get into Brickheads, but as a Lego fan, I'm starting to appreciate them. But that's just what we think. Yes, so, the collecting section of Star Wars collecting Book <laughs> Uh, so something book related, I got to see Ashley Eckstein on her book tour and we are going to review this book, by the way, we just haven't done it yet, uh, for her book, it's your universe. And so I got, I've read the book. It's awesome. It's so much fun. And then I got her to sign it, which was really, really cool. And I got the collectible pin, the Ahsoka enamel pin. That was at the signings. There was only a limited number, and I got one. Hooray! But the book is really, really good. If you don't have it, you need to go get it and support Ashley. Are you talking directly at me or at listeners? I am. No, I'm talking to you. Got it. With my Build-A-Bear Ray staff (laughs) that was sitting on my desk. I have not purchased it yet, but I... I probably will, but I did actually, when I was at the bookstore, have a chance to look through it pretty extensively, and it does seem like a really cool book, and if you're a fan of like Star Wars and Disney, which she's she's a big fan of both of those things, so there's a lot of that in it, um, it is really cool. 
And you're a fan of both of those things. I am. I am a, a very big fan of both of those things. So it was, it was, and I just, even the design of the book is really impressive. Not yeah, just, that's actually know, what I love the most is the design yeah. of it. Yeah. And the artwork by Ashley Taylor is stunning. And gosh. So, yeah. It's really, really good. All right. What are we doing today, Aaron? What are we doing? Well, we, in our effort to continue to tackle these solo related books, we are going to review Last Shot which is Ooh. a novel from Del Rey. We both read this book, and I think we've both read it, and it, we've had it read for a while now. Yeah, so this yeah, has we have. Been one that we've been wanting to cover. I think the last time we tried to, to cover it, our schedules uh, didn't work out. But we are finally getting to Last Shot by uh, publisher Del Rey, author Daniel Jose Older, and this was actually released April 17th, 2018. Mm-hmm. So, Two months ago. Yes, so That's not, not too far behind. And the good thing about us waiting to review this is now we have seen Solo, the mm, movie. Yes, true. So that might help in the conversation instead of reading the book and then kind of guessing at things that might be in Solo. Now we know. Uh, for the record, I loved Solo. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see it like two or three more times before at least three theaters. So I'm just saying I loved it. So what else? Yeah. I think it is. Great. Yeah. It is interesting because I've even talked to other people that haven't seen it yet. And I'm kind of like, well, why haven't you seen it yet? They're like, I don't know. I'll get around to it. Whereas past Star Wars movies, it was kind of like everybody would go first opening weekend. So I don't know what what about this movie doesn't have people like excited to see it. You know what, though? That's me for The Incredibles 2. Like it's already it's out and I didn't go see it opening weekend. And I haven't really even looked at movie times or whatever and that's weird for me because I always go I I don't know I like the Incredibles but I don't love the Incredibles maybe that's why I don't know I need to go and see it though because everybody's everything I've read is like that it's one of the best sequels that they've done in a long time and of course it's a female-led anyway this is not about this is sorry wrong we don't talk about Disney here uh but I'm just comparing it like I don't know why I haven't made an effort to go see The Incredibles. Have you seen it? I actually haven't, which is surprising for me as well, because huh. typically that, that's the kind of movie I would go see opening weekend. With us? What is wrong with us? Maybe it's this, you, this fatigue people talk about. This I don't know, fatigue. but you know what? You know what happens this weekend? Jurassic pretty, World? Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Dude, I'm oh. there. Dinosaur movie. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we should just apologize right now for the the major rabbit trails we're running on on this episode of Star Wars Bookworms. So we're like how far I into the episode and we am, haven't actually talked about books yet. I am really tired, and when I'm really tired, I tangent a lot. So Aaron's having a hard time controlling me right now. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. He's he's like and come back to the yeah. books, and I'm like Raptor, rah. Dinosaur. <laughs> so the book we're covering is Last <laughs> it's Shot. Not dinosaur. It's not Jurassic Park. It's not Disney. It's not Harry well, Potter. Sort of, did, sort of Disney. Well, yeah, Disney owns it all. But yes, yeah, so Last Shot by. Uh, <laughs> what if Disney owned Harry Potter? That'd be weird. I'm sure they tried. It's, I'm sure they I, tried. I don't think so. I don't. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Publisher, Del Rey, author, Daniel Jose Older. We did that already. <laughs> Publisher summary. So this is kind of interesting because this book jumps around in time. 
And so they even did the publisher summary. <laughs> jumping around. Jumping around in time. time. So it starts off, even the fastest ship in the galaxy can't outrun the past. And then it says, then... It's one of the galaxy's most dangerous secrets, a mysterious transmitter with unknown power and a reward for its discovery that can that most could only dream of claiming. But those who fly the Millennium Falcon throughout its infamous history aren't your average scoundrels. Not once, but twice, the crew of the Falcon tries to claim the elusive prize. First, Lando, Lando Calrissian and the droid L337, at the dawn of an ambitious career, and later a young and hungry Han Solo with the help of his co-pilot Chewbacca. But the device's creator, the volatile criminal Faison Gore, isn't interested in sharing, and Gore knows how to hold a grudge. So that was then. This is now. That was then. It's been ten years since the rebel hero Han Solo last encountered Faison Gore. After mounting a successful rebellion against the Empire and starting a family with the Alderanian princess, Han hasn't given much thought to the mad inventor. But when Lando turns up at Han's doorstep in the middle of the night, it's Faison's assassins that he's running from. And without Han's help, Lando, and all life on Cloud City, will be annihilated. With the assistance of a young hotshot pilot, an Ewok slicer prodigy, the woman who might be the love of Lando's life, and Han's best and furriest friend, the two most notorious scoundrels in the New Republic are working together once more. They'll have to journey across the stars and into the past before Gore uses the, the device's power to reshape the galaxy. Yep. I, feel like, I feel like Chewbacca got slighted in that. He's Han's furriest friend? That's sort of rude. Just call him Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> I'm offended by that. I'm offended. Poor Chewbacca. But yeah, so Chewbacca. this is an interesting book. This is a book that you and I were both really excited about. Yeah. And, and you were very, very excited about this book to the point of like yelling at people not to do give spoilers. <laughs> I did. I did. So yell. even me, I got yelled at. You did. That's true. But now you don't have to worry about that because you've read it. I've read it. We can actually talk about it now. Okay, so we were both really excited about this book. And I think it was – how do I say that? I think the excitement was rightly placed. I don't know. I loved it. I'll just say it right now. I loved it. it. Last shot was fun. Right at the top. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And I also really liked the three time periods, the – Han Solo ten years ago, ten years ago, Lando fifteen years ago. Now, uh, I loved that, and it, I think it gave a lot of depth to the story. And I know that you didn't like the audiobook switching, like readers, but I did. I thought it was uh, great. Yeah, I think because I did listen to a lot of it on audiobook, but not all of it, and I. I I had a harder time with the switching when with the voices because I just didn't like that, you know, if somebody's talking for Han Solo, I heard three different versions of that. And I have a hard enough time of like accepting other people's voices and I if I don't feel like they're really getting the voice right. And so when I have three different people that are trying to sound like Han Solo in very different ways, it was a little distracting. It was only two. You only had no. two. Three. You no, two. 
Because the timelines, you had Lando's timeline, you have Han's timeline, and then you have the timeline where they're together. Yeah. I don't, yeah, and I, I can't really, I don't remember who did which one. I think okay, Mark so Thompson did modern, right? He did now. He did the now. January Lavoy did Lando's timeline. And Daniel Jose Older did Han's timeline. Okay, so so January Lavoy only did Lando and uh, L3 and all that. Okay, so it was only two people, essentially. Yes. You're right. And yeah. I I really like Daniel Jose Older's reading voice. So those were actually my favorite parts. <laughs> because I like the way that he reads and tells a story. He's got this sort of almost, I don't know where he's from. So this is, you know, I could be completely wrong. But he almost has sort of like a like a Brooklyn sort of New York accent kind of thing going on. He's got yeah. this 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 sort of I don't even know if this is the right word, but this sort of swagger in his voice that I just felt like I just yeah. really dig it. I dig it in the way that he reads. And so I even digged it in the or dug it in the from a certain point of view book or his short story. So I was actually really excited to be able to hear him read again. And he had a period in the timeline that was really weirdly interesting i really liked han's part of the story because it was him and and sauna you know and and like all that stuff and i thought that was that was really cool and and han was really upset about a girl and i'm wondering if it's kira yeah i was wondering the same before i before i comment on that i'll i will comment on what you were saying about daniel jose older and his voice for the book, I completely agree with you. He has this sound that's that I think swagger is probably the right word. He he does he has this almost a kind of sarcastic tone, but like really yeah. fun, and he really he he really does a great job of entertaining as he reads. Mm-hmm. And I really like that about his his part. But Mark Thompson does much more. Um, he's doing much more imitations of people's voices. Yep. Whereas Daniel doesn't try that at all. He just kind of does his own voice. Yeah. And, and so that was a little weird jumping back and forth that way too. Now, I'm not saying I didn't like the audiobook because I actually did really like it. But that, that kind of threw me out of it a little bit um, with the switching between voices. But I liked I – mean, Mark Thompson's obviously awesome. Uh, Daniel yeah, Jose Older awesome. is really fun to listen to. And Jan- January Lavoie uh, does a great job as well. So they yeah. all did a really good job. Yeah, I agree. And to your point about Daniel doesn't try to do imitations, I actually really like that. Mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily need the characters to sound like they do in the movies, you know, because I feel like sometimes when they try to imitate the voices and then it comes out wrong, it's distracting. Yes, you and know? I love that about with the way Daniel does it because he was doing Han and he was doing Han, and he was also doing Sana. Mm-hmm. But he didn't try to do the like real high pitched voice, so he sounded like female. A girl. Yeah. Like a lot of the a lot of the voice um, narrators do, and that can those are usually the characters that I have a hard time with when they try to sound like you know if a, if a, a male was trying to sound female, right? Um, like we were talking about in the Last Jedi book, where every time Rose came on, it was kind of like Ugh. oh yeah, you know, because it's just they're trying they put in this really like you know girly voice, and it just doesn't sound right. So yeah, I, I kind of wished if, I almost wish like just had Daniel do the whole book. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think because. I would have liked that too. I mean, I, again, I really love Mark Thompson. I just, there's something about the way Daniel reads Star Wars. Yep, he's got, very he's, got nice. some, he's got some good charisma. It's very nice, very nice. So really quickly before you comment on the thing I said about Han, <laughs> I want to mention that you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is the first Star Wars novel ever, uh, but also definitely in the new canon that is written by a minority, a Hispanic minority. And that is amazing. And this is also the first Star Wars book that I have ever seen that has Spanish in the front, which made me cry, not going to lie, really did. I saw it and I was like, oh my God, there's Spanish in my Star Wars book. Um, And I think that that unique voice of somebody that's a minority is something that Star Wars needs more of because this book was really well written. And I think because of that, because of what Han has been through and all of that stuff and Lando and everything, like having somebody who has experienced things from a different perspective definitely shows in the writing. And I loved it. And he has a very different writing style. Yeah. That I actually enjoy. And we, we had kind of talked about it when we did the from a certain point of view. And we were saying, when we talked about that particular story, uh, the stormtrooper and the Dubak, and I forget the name of the story now, but <laughs> that. But we were like laughing at it. We played some audio from it. It was just a really fun story, and I think I even made a comment at that time. Like I really thought it was fun, but I I don't know if I would want a whole novel like this. But but I liked it. I thought it worked for an entire novel. I think he toned it down a bit than it was in that short story. He did mm-hmm. tone it down a bit, but there were moments that were just as silly as that story in this book but it's just it, it puts a, a level of kind of brevity in into the story and it's even though the story got really serious and got violent it still had that that brevity or that not brevity levity um that was just it was fun in moments and it didn't take itself too seriously and i think that's what daniel jose older brings to to star wars as a writer so i think I'm I'm on board with him as a Star Wars writer, and you know I would definitely read more if they if they gave him more books. Mm-hmm. You are saying a word that made me think Wingardium Leviosa. Leviosa, yeah. By the way, I was like, "Ooh, Leviosa." <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about you were talking about Kira, or if Han was upset about a girl, and if it happened, he was to Kira. definitely upset about a girl. That's there's no question about that. I Which is kind of a, a recurring theme in this novel. Um, he's he's a bit of a he's he's pretty emotional and uh, mm. he. I think Han is an emotional person. I don't think he's unemotional. I think what we see in the movies is just a slice of it. You know, he is a person that is emotional but has no idea of how to handle his emotions, talk about them, work through them. He just pushes them off to the side because he doesn't know what the heck to do, and. And I think I'm starting to understand where some of that comes from, from reading uh, Most Wanted, which is the young adult novel surrounding the solo stuff, because he's like 18 there. He's a lot younger. And so you you see some of the beginning of that. And so, you know, there's a lot of Han in this book, not really knowing how to handle his emotions as a husband and as a father and all of this stuff. And 
and I'm just going to hang on to that because you had something we were going to say, and I'm about to spin this in a totally different direction. So put a pin in that. Go ahead. Well, I was <laughs> kind of agreeing with you, I think, and I was going to bring the movie into it as an example, but you have that scene with Kira where she's like, I, I know who you really are. And he's kind of like, you know, oh, what's that? Or how's that? And she says, you're you're a good guy. You're the good guy. Um, and I think the thing about Han Solo is he is a bit mm. of an emotional wreck. And he's kind of a romantic. And he's kind of, he is yeah. kind of that good guy. But he tries to pretend that he's not. Mm-hmm. And so you see that come through. In this book, you see it. I haven't started reading Most Wanted, but it sounds like it comes through in that. And then if you really start to look at even the original trilogy, you kind of look back and you look a little closer at the character, especially toward like Return of the Jedi. He's that way too. You know, he's very mm-hmm. emotional about Leia. Um, he isn't. He isn't kind of this like disconnected, like I don't care if I ever see you again kind of guy. He. He. I mean, he basically, you know, waited and tried to go back and find Kira. You know, after he got split up from her, he's not the kind of guy that's just going to move on. So, and I like, I like I like learning that about Han. It makes Me that too. character deeper. Me too. And the thing I like about this movie and then also these books and stuff is that it's actually deepening the characters that are in the original trilogy. And it's it's making Han more than just a surface character, which for me, he kind of always felt that way. I always liked Han Solo, but he was just sort of in one level. Whereas with all of this, there's a lot more depth to him. And then when you go back and you watch these movies now and it's like, oh, wow, you know, like you can pick up on things. And I think that that is really cool. Han has never been one of my favorite characters. And now after watching Solo and, and reading some of this material, he actually is starting to become one of my favorite characters. I'm I'm enjoying him more in these new movies than, than most of the original trilogy characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. He's dead, though. I know. Just in case you weren't sure. Uh, so I did want to... I'm going to pull the pin out now. Pulling it out. Uh, so as a dad, which you are, I am not a dad or a mom, <laughs> but you are a parent. Could you relate to the way that Han was feeling? Like when all of this, the the issues he's having as a parent and trying to figure out and work his way through how he's feeling. Did that seem real or did that seem forced or fake? It didn't seem forced or fake only because, um, I know that's a real, a reality for some people that, you know, you get into fatherhood and then you feel overwhelmed and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a fraud. I should never have ever had a kid, that kind of thing. That was never, that was never something for me. Like I never felt that way. So I, I don't necessarily relate with Han as a parent, but I can see why that would happen, especially the type of person, type of character that he is. Um, and it explains a lot where even, you know, we get as far as The Force Awakens and he's kind of out of the picture and kind of went back to his smuggling ways. Um, you can kind of see why b- because of this book and you see where he just, he was trying to do his best, but it just, he wasn't really cut out for it. As, as far as, uh, at least he didn't think he was. He didn't give himself enough credit, but he didn't think he was cut out to be a dad. Which, now we have his son trying to take over the galaxy. So it's kind of, uh, it's sad. It's it, it makes me sad that he didn't uh, give himself a little bit more credit and try harder. 
Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder what happens between what we're seeing in Last Shot and then where we get to in The Force Awakens, because clearly something has occurred. Mm-hmm. And especially with the end of the book, because at the end of the book, it's almost like it seems like he comes to terms with who he is, how he feels, that he loves Leia, that he loves Ben, and that that's his place and that he can be a dad. You know, that's kind of where he seems to get to at the end of it. And then when we get to The Force Awakens and the dialogue that they have, something happens to where he almost reverts back to the state that he's in in this book. And it, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, huh? Yeah, and I think we know, know as human beings, both of you and I, anyone could probably relate with, if you have certain insecurities, no matter how much you may have moments of confidence that get you out of those insecurities, they always come back. And I think that's what happened to Han. I think he, although he got to a point where he did feel comfortable, um, he wasn't able to completely get rid of those insecurities. And obviously it cropped back up at some point enough for him to to kind of run away. Mm-hmm. Now, we were talking about voices, and since we're talking about young Ben Solo, that was one of the funniest voices I've ever heard Mark Thompson do when young Ben is talking, and he says he can't say Lando. Uncle Wamwo. He's like, Uncle Wamwo. Uncle Wamwo. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to that. I was trying to listen back to some of the audiobook today just because I knew we were going to be talking about it, and I was in the car with my son, Quinn who was six and he in that part he even laughed at that <laughs> as soon as it, uncle whamwo and he just laughed out loud so That's funny. I, I was a little confused about ben's age in this book because it sounded like he, he almost sounded the way they were treating him and the way he was talking almost like he was an infant but then they were talking about him like running around i think he's almost probably almost two so he's yeah. he's running around kind of starting to use words you know, to me like just judging off my nephews you know at about they were walking by the time they were i don't know maybe just past 12 one, typically just maybe like yeah. right around 12 months one year old you know and then they were starting to talk and stuff when they were like 13 or 14 months okay. you know or even before that you know yeah. so i would i would, probably before that it was interesting. So I'm guessing he was probably what between one and two. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's crazy to think of. This is the first real look we've gotten of that character as a child, um, and you, it's not much because he's so young. You don't really get much of a personality out of it. But it is kind of you know we just just having watched Force Awakens and Last Jedi and seeing what he becomes, it's like oh wow, he was just a poor innocent child at one point um, that was. Almost killed by a droid. Yeah, no joke. My God. That droid could have saved the galaxy. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, yeah. That would not have been good. No, nope, probably not. No. All right. So we already talked about Han being sad about Kira. I think he was sad about Kira. I okay. So we didn't really talk much about it. The okay. The timing feels a little off. Just because they're almost implying that Han and Santa have been hanging out for a bit and have done other jobs together, maybe. And so, but if he's still upset yeah, but about they Kira, were, they were never married at that point. Like oh, the marriage between the two of them. Well, they get married, but the marriage between the two of them is somewhere in between this book and and 
uh, a new hope. It's, yeah. It's so we don't actually see that. Right. I know there's more adventures, but I, I maybe felt... Han pines over Kira for a while. Maybe That's kind of what that. I was thinking. If it's supposed to be Kira, then it's it's been a while. Like maybe he, you know, who knows how long he's, you know, it is since the end of the movie, but he's still thinking about it. I guess he's not over. But her he's yet. also he's also a player, and he's probably had his heart broken by other girls. That's what I'm going with. Maybe I don't know. I don't see Han as a player, but I know we've had this conversation before. So. <laughs> he's a total player. <laughs> we have no evidence of that. Um, so far, girl intuition. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, of a fictional. No, I'm, I, I think it. he probably is pining over Kira. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But we did get Santa, who was a cool addition because you know we do get some crossover from books to comics, but that's a pretty big character in the comics um, to bring over. It's not just kind of like a quick cameo or like they mentioned her name kind of thing. Like she was actually a pretty big part of this book, mm-hmm. so that was a that was a cool addition. I like I like her character. She was she was really cool. I liked her too, but she didn't get a lot of time. You know, eventually the book moves to where everything is happening in the now and mm-hmm. not in the then. And so Sana sort of just sort of disappears. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was kind of like, oh. But, oh well. I also think it's funny that Leia knows about her and she's all snarky and snappy about her. She's like, oh, that girl? da 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 Oh, yeah. really funny. <laughs> the other girl you were married to. The other girl you were married Han's to. I was like, oh, we're gonna do this. Oh, <laughs> some of the co- some of the conversations between Han and Leia were really funny because, you know, it's just it's so relatable in a in a marriage. Mm-hmm. You have those moments where you're just kind of like getting on each other's nerves. Or I like the part where he wakes up. Um, Mon Mothma kind of does the video call, and he's still in bed. Oh right, well, he's and on like, the couch. And that whole sequence where he like wakes up and he's still like, you know, he's only half dressed and his hair is a mess and stuff. And he's like, oh, and Leia's like, put a shirt on. Yeah. She's like, Han, put a shirt on. Like, it's just that whole thing. It was just funny. It's funny to see like Han and Leia a bit domesticated in in that situation because it's only, you know, three years after Return of the Jedi. So it's still kind of new for them to be in this relationship. Yeah. Well, you know, we do see them somewhat domesticated in uh, that one book. What Bloodline. Bloodline, yeah. Yeah, and this is before before this. This Bloodline. is way, yeah, this is a lot earlier on. Um but yeah, I just thought that was funny and just a lot of the dialogue no, between Wait. No. Bloodline is before this book. No. Definitely yes. not. It's not? Are no, you sure because a, yeah, they don't have is... They don't have Ben in Bloodline. She hasn't yeah, gotten pregnant with Ben. He's already gone off. He's gone off in uh Right? No, no, you're thinking no. um Aftermath. Maybe the Aftermath I'm thinking, books is I'm when thinking she's of pregnant. Aftermath when yep. she gets pregnant. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'm thinking yeah. of after, Aftermath. So we see a little bit there and then we see some of it in Bloodline. Right. Yeah, yeah. but nothing like we don't Yes. Okay, so Aftermath when she's pregnant, you know, we're seeing all that stuff. And this is like right after that sort of. Yep. Yeah. 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 So it was fun. And it, I like when Lando shows up and like punches Han in the face. And then there's a, <laughs> the dialogue between Leia and, and Lando's even kind of flirting with Leia at some point. And Han's just like, seriously, are you still doing this? And it's just all of that dynamic was really cool to see and fun to read. 
because it fits so well with the stuff that happens on Cloud City and Empire Strikes Back. It's just it's yeah. mirroring that type of stuff. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's funny. <laughs> but they had so we talked about it in the in the summary at the front, but there was a character who is mm-hmm. an Ewok <laughs> who is also an expert hacker slash slicer, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call him in Star Wars universe. So, and it was kind of one of those things that, you know, some people just love the idea and other people were like, this is weird. I'm guessing you were just completely on board with this and really loved it. Duh. Pika okay. is like my new freaking hero. <laughs> Pikva feels like a character that should have shown up in Star Wars Adventures. Pikva can show up wherever she darn well pleases. That's true. That's true. I'm not saying she can't. She she can do whatever she wants. I could see her showing up in Star Wars Adventures and having like a cup of coffee and literally like a big pair of glasses on in her little (laughs) iPad. You know, like I could just see that being the character that would fit really well in that, you know, that type of storytelling. It's Um, a data pad. They don't have iPads. They don't have iPads. But <laughs> I will admit that at first, when they first kind of said this whole Ewok thing, and I'm like, really? Like, this seems kind of, it's gone, the the dial has gone a little too far into the silly for me at this point. But I got used to it, and I, I'm fine with it. And I actually think the character is really funny and great. So I'm glad the character exists. I don't want the character to not exist. But it was a little much for me on the silly scale. Oh to... please, she was great. I, she was great. You're right, but that doesn't I love, mean. I love how she just clutched onto Chewbacca, and yes. you don't really find out why until like halfway through the book <laughs> that it's because he saved her sister or something like that. Yes, yeah, he saved her sister on Endor, and Han was even kind of confused. Like, do you know her? Like, why is she? Like, how do you know her? <laughs> Chewbacca's like, oh, mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, that... he's like, Rrr. and he just like picks her up and carries her around and grabs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do want a peak t shirt. I want a peak so pin. Like, I'll I buy do. the merchandise, so I I'm on board. Sometimes it just it takes me a little time to come around on some of these cutesy characters. You know that about me, and even porks. Like, it took me a while to come around on porks, but I'm around. I like porks now. So. Pika's great. The only thing that's the funny part about her is I never knew what she was saying. I was like, what is she saying? They can't. She understands basic. Why can't she speak basic? Yeah, that is that is interesting. I guess kind of like Chewbacca. Like he understands it, but he can't speak it. So I wonder if it's just something to do with uh, the limitations of their biology. Well, I know Rodians can't really speak basic because they can't pronounce the words. They understand basic, but they can't speak it. Hmm. Although I, that has been, uh, there was a Rodian in this book that spoke. He was like a was senator there? or something. Yeah, and they were having the meetings with Mon Mothma, talking about the pilots' guild or something. Well, they were talking. It's in Most Wanted where they're talking about how Rodians have a hard time with pronouncing uh, words in basic. Yeah. So, so yeah, it might it might depend. I mean, in the Rodian they're talking about in Most Wanted is from Coruscant. And still has trouble speaking basic. Yeah. And there's always little inconsistencies like that in Star Wars where one book will say they can't. Another book has them speaking basic. It's not, it's not a huge thing to nitpick. Um, But yeah, overall I did, I did enjoy peak, but she was, she was fun. And um, yeah. All right. Well, talking about silly characters, I have to know, I have to know 
how did you feel about our little Gungan prison guard friend? <laughs> See, that part I thought was hilarious. Yeah, me because too. <laughs> I just think it was so clever for them to have this guy who, you know, Han starts to talk to him, you know, Misa, Misa and the guy's yeah. like, whoa, 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 like. <laughs> We, you know, come on. <laughs> like, no, it just was like very, that. it's just like, it was some very aware humor. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I loved it. I, that character, I, I ate that part up. I, I wish was he was really in the book good. more. Yeah. I never really knew what happened to him. He just sort of was gone. Yeah. I must have missed it. I kind of forget too the details of, I don't think he like died or anything, but I think they just kind of like moved on to the next place and he stayed behind. Uh, well, it would have been kind of cool if they maybe picked him up. And he was with the crew the rest of the movie, but or movie the, the rest of the book, but I guess maybe they didn't have a place for him. Mm-hmm. Nah, cool, there though. wasn't much room for him moving forward. It's not like he could really do anything. He was just sort of he was sort of wimpy, to be honest. Well, he was <laughs> like, like, what do you say? Like, I'm just a mid level manager. Like, he's just yeah. <laughs> he's like, what? I don't. Why am I? What? What do you expect of me? <laughs> like, yeah. he, so yeah, he he was great, and uh, I like when they use these familiar species, these familiar alien species, um, rather than coming up with new ones all the time and having like a new race that you've never really. You're like, okay, they created a new alien for this book. I like it when they use familiar ones. So as soon as they say, then you know, Gungan, I know exactly what that looks like. You know, right? Yeah. As opposed to them saying some weird alien, that I'm like, oh what? Let me look what? that up and see if it's been it's used just before. Really quick, yeah. yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, so another new character that was also pretty funny is Taka, who I think, if I remember correctly, was was pretending to be Han Solo, and that's kind of how they found them. Mm-hmm. But an interesting character. This is one that we were kind of talking about audiobooks versus reading the book, and I didn't like the voice they picked for this character in the audiobook. I don't know why something about the voice was a little too like California or something surfer style. Well, I don't know since I didn't, you know, since all I do is read the audiobooks, I don't know if I really, well, I don't know. I didn't read any of this book in print. In print. So, yeah, so I I can't really compare that, but uh to me Taka just sounded like a young person you know right yeah and i think that's what that's what um mark thompson was going for he was going for kind of that more youthful voice which came across to me as a little a little too a little too heavy on that uh because that's not how because i read most of the book before i started doing the audio so i had already kind of established a voice in my head for that character so Mm -hmm. then when i heard mark thompson's version i was like oh that's not at all what i was kind of imagining but and I was a little confused too. If I believe the book refers to the character as being human, and from Corellia, I think that's accurate. Okay, because some of the the marketing for the for the character when they did those those like images where it's just their outline, uh-huh. um, Taka looked very alien looking. He didn't look hmm. human to me. So I was a little, I was picturing the character as non-human, but then the book said it that they were human so it was but i did like the character the character was funny yes um and i just liked kind of the the cockiness and kind of whatever that the character had going on i thought was was good so i i did enjoy them i also like the fact that leia had something to do with the hiring of taka oh, yeah. and 
in that Leia was sort of manipulating Han and Lando the entire time because Taco is one of her pilots. Yes. Oh, yeah, I had forgotten about that. Right. So Taco was like a plant. Yes. Um, from Leia, which is yeah. an interesting, another interesting look into Han and Leia's relationship that she felt like she had to do that. <laughs> That's really funny, though. Okay, so moving on to the evil entity. Because he's not really a person. Uh, I don't know what this character is, but he's probably one of the weirdest bad people we've ever had. Fizengor. Yeah. Fizengor. I would agree with that. Fizengor. Weird. Very, very weird. Because... Weird. The character of Gore starts out as almost like this goody two shoes in school is really great. It's going to be like this amazing surgeon doctor and then turns into this weird freak that wants droids to take over the world. <laughs> what? And I thought that uh, using a Powan as the alien type for this was a good call. Yeah. Because they are kind of scary looking, evil looking, and I like that. I like the visual of a villain to look like a villain. And if they had picked like an a Thorian or a Rodian, it wouldn't have had the same type of impact. So I thought that was a really good choice for alien species. Um, and the character, if I have any complaint about this book, it would be that I didn't love the villain in the end. I actually really liked the villain at the beginning. I liked kind of the transformation of like you were saying that goody two shoes. And then he goes through like this really violent stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes this like sinister character. And I really liked that, that transition. But then by the end of the book, he just got kind of kooky and just almost just became this uh, bit of a raving lunatic instead of being an intellectual type of villain. So he, that he does, he Darth Banes. That's what <laughs> I would say. He, he Darth, Darth Banes. I like that. He does. He goes from being, very intelligent, super powerful, knows what he's doing, master manipulator and all this stuff. And then he turns into this Sith who has weird bug shells all over him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he just like... Like his mind broke at at some point. He went... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. That's that's a good pull from Legends comparison. I like that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the whole, the whole idea of this guy and how he starts, you know, taking, like putting human parts onto droids, so which is kind weird. of the they reverse. They have to rot and gross, right? Ew. Yeah. Like it's the reverse of what we've already seen in Star Wars where it's very common, you know, Luke gets his hand cut off. They put a robotic hand on him. But uh, that's, that's even in, on earth. Right, you don't right. lose a leg; you get a metal leg. I mean, it's yeah. Like we saw, like in Darth, you know, Darth Maul gets, you know, every his legs cut off and he gets robotic legs. That's, but yeah, so it's kind of the reverse of that. And instead of you know upgrading a human by putting a robotic part on them, you're downgrading a robot by putting a human part on them. I just yeah, didn't why get would you do that. Yeah, that part of it never made sense to me. Why that was kind of this ultimate goal of his, other than the fact that he just went insane. That because that's the only way that would make sense. Um, so yeah, I had a bit of a hard time wrapping my head around kind of his motivations and I mean, eventually, kind of eventually it moves to that droids are put in, are made to be servants and that they should be seen as 
equals to sentient beings and not treated as servants, essentially, and that the droids are going to take over the the galaxy or what what have you. Which isn't well, that, a bad sentiment. No, in... I mean, and it, it's very, you have that same sentiment in the movie solo with L3 and not wanting to be a servant and wanting mm. to be seen as an equal, you know? Because mm. she, in the movie, for example, she has the line where she says, because Lando says, would you like anything? And she's like, equal rights. And it's hilarious because this book, if you read it before and then you see L3 and all the stuff she says, and she's like, why? Because you're my organic overlord and using the word organic, which is used in this book all over the place. It was so freaking great. It cracked me up. And like other people didn't understand, but I did <laughs> because I knew what had happened, you know? And I knew about the organics and the takeover of the droids and droid revolution and all this junk. And I was like, ha-ha. Right. You know? Yeah, and the thought, like, because we get some background with L3, because we get to see her hanging out with Lando, and so we get to see some of their relationship. But we, we hear her talk about some of this stuff even in the book, you know, about, you know, droids and, and their their place in the galaxy. So... It was a great setup for what we see in the movie. And we also know that in the end of this book, because we jump ahead in time after the movie, that she's no longer around. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with the, you know, seeing the original trilogy and all that, we know she's not around too. So you kind of start to wonder as you're reading this book before we saw the movie, like, well, what happens to her? Yeah. Oh, my get... God. That was one of my biggest things. Like, what happened to L3 and then the movie? And you're like, oh, damn. Yeah, so we get to see that play out. So I, that's one of the things I like about these movies that are meant to kind of play as a lead-in to a movie. You mean these the books, books that play yeah, as a lead Yeah, the books that play as a lead-in to the movie is that if you are one of the people that did decide to read the book before you saw the movie, you get that payoff, you know, where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, you know, this moment of clarity where we're like, oh, that's what happened to her. Now it she made, actually is kind of the Falcon. So Yeah, it made her death so powerful for me in the movie, getting to know her here mm-hmm. and getting to, oh gosh, all the stuff that she does here, you know, like the fact that that she is in the Falcon and the fact that she created more droids of her own, like like herself, in order to protect Lando in the end. You know, when he would have to come back for the flux capacitor or whatever the heck it is. Uh, I know that's Back to the Future, but you know what I mean. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Uh, it's the, what is the the phylinx? Phylinx. Okay. The phylinx, yeah, the flux yeah. capacitor. Uh, Close enough. She, she creates more of herself. Like their maker is her. And and it was kind of like a fail-safe, oh, right? Where she yeah, was... oh my god, it was so powerful. And then, because we know, so I didn't finish the book before the movie came out. You know, I didn't finish it all the way through. So so I have this, where I have this relationship with L3 where I understand her, so I get her in the movie. And then I'm like, oh man, that's what happens to her. Because I had been wondering when I was reading, she's now the Falcon. And then you get to the end of the book and you realize that she does all of this stuff and she spends all this time between when we you know when we see her in the book and then when we see her in the movie and all this stuff and we see that she really did spend all of her time creating a way to prevent this from happening and you're just like wow 
and yeah. it made me made it worse. Like I was like, oh my god, L three is the best droid ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we kind of we went from Fizengore right into L three there. Um, did you have any other thoughts on Fizengore as a villain? He's weird. Yeah. But I, I, like he I was saying. I think for for me, the strength of this book was, you know, getting to see Lando and L3 interact in a different time period, getting to see Han and Sana and Chewbacca in a different time period, and, and seeing the characterization. I thought that Daniel Jose Older did a really good job of reflecting these characters. You know, I've read a lot of books, especially if we're going back to Legends, a lot, a lot of books with Han in it. Mm-hmm. And not too many authors get Han. They don't get him right, at least in my opinion. Everybody's got a different opinion about it. But I I always felt like people had a really hard time with him because he is one of those characters that you want to make him super heroic, you want to make him super smart, but he really never was in the movies. Mm-hmm. He never was that guy. He wasn't the, the most intelligent guy. He wasn't the guy coming up with all the plans. He was the guy winging it. You know, he wasn't right. um, you know, kind of that smart guy. So I liked how in this book you get that sense from Han. You know, he doesn't know quite how to do life yet. You know, he's still Mm-mm. figuring it out. And I don't think he really ever figures out how to do life. <laughs> you're right. I don't I think you're completely right. I think he always had that issue all the way up until the end. And he, he always meant he always meant well and like Kira said, he is the good guy. I do think he is a good guy, but I don't think he ever got it figured out. And this book does a great job of showing that. So mm-hmm. bravo to, to Daniel Jose Older. Good job. Woo-hoo. There's a lot of gambling in this book too, by the way, with like weird, weird gambling with these oh, yeah. the pieces that you ferns or whatever the heck, and that are thrown out on the table, and this just weird divination type stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, what? You have all these and metal if you bits. lose, you lose your arms. Um, weird. Yeah, that I forgot like, about that part. All the yeah. droids that are like, I am number one, I am number two, I am of the first dozen. I was like, this is a droid cult, mm-hmm. droid human mashup cult. It was a little disturbing. It was disturbing, Some but parts, in a yeah. good way. Like I like stories that are weird and dark and disturbing like that. It kept me interested, <laughs> but I was like, wow, that's. I can't imagine being one of these characters in this situation right now looking at that. <laughs> yeah. It'd be weird. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to talk about specifically, but the the one other thing I definitely wanted to cover before we wrapped up was uh, Lando. And Lando, because we did talk a little bit about Lando with L3, but Lando also has another relationship in this book. Oh, gosh, Kasha. That was one of the coolest things ever. Getting to see Lando confused as all heck and not being able to be like, I just love this person was one of the best things I've ever seen. Yes. And I like that because a lot of times people can kind of mash up Han and Lando as similar types of characters, but I think they're very different. And you see Mm -hmm. that in this book. You see the way Han handles relationships versus the way Lando does. And I thought, once again, um, bravo to the writer that he was able to capture that mm-hmm. because Lando is, he is a player and he is that guy that's oh, kind of... he is, totally. Definitely. And 
to see him starting to kind of realize that he's falling for this girl and kind of that almost confuses him because he's never really, you know, he's kind of that guy that's going to, you know, meet a girl and then be gone the next day and find someone else. And so I think that that was an interesting look into Lando as a character where he, it's almost like he's finally found somebody that he thinks, Oh, maybe this is somebody I could fall for, but I don't understand how to fall for somebody. (laughs) Right. And they have that fight like out on the, on Coruscant out on like the promenade in the walkway or something it's a very almost like high school people fight (laughs) you know (laughs) but also so one thing because since we're talking about akasha lando star wars books are not veering away from the romantic and sexuality of relationships anymore to the point that we saw twilight and human butt i'm just saying (laughs) yeah they (laughs) That is, yeah, that is something that you're you're noticing popping up more and more in <laughs> Star Wars books is kind of because I think in past Star Wars books they definitely they'll do the whole impl- implication of things, mm-hmm. but they don't really describe. And even now, even some of the stuff in this book, they still don't get you know kind of into the the nitty gritty. But they do, yeah. There's definitely there was more description <laughs> in this book than than typical. <laughs> with that kind of stuff uh the whole the whole part where the droid's trying to assassinate lando and you know he's coming out in his towel and then she comes out in her towel and then later on han and leia are like wait why were you guys in towels you know it's kind of they're putting it together so yeah it's fun uh but i love i love lando realizing that there's more to life than what he's been doing and his big realization that he's both versions of lando you know, that he is the rebellion hero and he is the other part and that he doesn't have to be one or the other. He can be both and that he can also actually outwardly love and devote himself to a person. I felt like that was a huge growth moment for his character. And if they do have Lando in the next movie, hmm. which is room. Which is a rumor. I hope we see that same growth from this book show up in the movie. You know, I hope it 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 flows. Hmm. Interesting. I don't want Lando to be like, oh well, whatever. Like you know, like he should be. This should be consistent with who his character is. If we see him in Episode Nine, like a more Just, stable, yeah. mature Lando. Yeah, I mean, it's still funny. Still flippant. Still flirty. Yeah, but still, but as if this growth that happens in this book that has happened to him, you know? Mm, yeah. I think it would be a disservice to his character because I think it, it added a lot of depth to Lando's character. This book did, big time. And this is the first time we've gotten Lando in, a, I think, a canon source that's post, like this far out from Return of the mm. Jedi, um, although it's not too far out. So there's still a lot of time, another 30 years until The Force Awakens, and who knows until Episode Nine. So there's a lot more going on between now and then to even change that character more. So that's also true. Yeah, I don't know if he if that rumor would is going to come true or not if he shows up in Episode Nine, but um, it'd be really interesting to see where he's at in the galaxy mm-hmm. at that point. I would agree. And if he has a Twi'lek friend with him. Tasha. And she was a wonderful character, by the way. She was just fantastic. Yeah, she was super cool. I loved her. Definitely. The Twilights these days are getting cooler and cooler. 
Yes. Era, caution. They're no longer just your Ula. Yeah, they're not just the dancers. (laughs) They kick some ass sometimes. True. I know that you had picked up on this, but I hadn't seen it. So the stormtrooper that is in Daniel Jose Older's short story in From a Certain Point of View makes an appearance in this book. Yes, he does. And I can't remember, because it's been long enough since I read it that I'm forgetting exactly when. I think it was in the Han Sana time period. Hmm. And they were at, maybe it was when they were at Ma- Maza's castle. But I know it was some sort of a bar slash cantina type scene. And he's basically drunk. And uh, I think it's into a fight or something. But he, it's kind of this passing moment. But they definitely mention him by name. So it is the same character. That's interesting. And I it's didn't... pre- what he when he showed up in um, the Dubak story, so it's before yeah. that, and so a lot of people were speculating that he's basically he got drunk in this bar and then went and joined the Empire while he was drunk. Maybe and that's how he ends up, you know, in this. You know, he just wants to get out of there and wants to go ride a Dubak. So that sounds about accurate. That, yeah. I think that would fit his character, and I also think it's cool that uh, Daniel was able to mush those two together. <laughs> I I thought it was a a fun shout out to anyone who had read that story and kind of remembered the name. I thought that was a cool, a cool inclusion. I'm sure he liked doing that. Yeah. So overall, you like the book? Yeah, I actually did. I really liked it. I thought it was a fun read. Um, You know, like I said, the kind of the only negative for me was the villain got a little too kooky for my taste. Um, But other than that, I thought the uh, at least the characters and kind of the the different time periods and all of that. I really enjoyed reading about the story was, was what it was, but the story, I didn't think the story overall was, was great, but it was, it was still a really fun read and it was a unique enough writing style um, that it, I liked the change of pace. So I actually love the story. I think the story was really great. Fizengor was a little bit weird, but I totally understood the villain, his motives, what was happening, what could possibly happen to the galaxy. I actually completely understood all of that, and I really liked it. I also, like you, I like the writing style. I like that it's different. I love all of the new characters. That's probably my favorite part of this. I love the tie-ins to Solo the movie and then also to the canon as a whole. I like all those really cool little tie-ins and everything, but... Overall, this is probably in my top five of the canon novels now. I I really, really love the story. I was completely invested in it, and it just had me. There was something about it that just hooked me. So, yeah, so for me, so it was like the story wasn't great for you. It was great for me, but I, I think we both really like the book for similar reasons, too. Yes. And I would love to see some sort of a follow-up with some of these oh, characters. Kind of, oh, my gosh. You know, like maybe another book with, you know, give us some of those same characters that we got in this one, especially the new characters. I would um, like bring, a Peekpa book. Bring the team uh, back. Yeah. I would like a Peekpa and Chewbacca adventure. That can be done. Uh, and there's so much time between. I and want, we didn't talk about Chewbacca much. Which two, I think we've said this before, too. Chewbacca is a hard character to get across in a book. Oh, yeah. Because he's movie. so visual and he's so, you know, it's, and he you can't really get the dialogue 
right yeah. with a with a book. So as much as I love Chewbacca, uh, especially recently with the the solo movie, like he's maybe my favorite part of that movie. He kind of disappeared in this book. So, he did. Yeah. But yes, a Peekpa book would be great. Peekpa. You know, they I'm could even you. do a they could do a Peekpa comic. And yes. they already have somebody who's written an Ewok comic before, Zach Jolonga. Uh he could do it. With yeah, Daniel could, Jose Older. It could be like a, a combined like a project. Like a team up for Peekpa. Yeah, and then put it in Star Wars Adventures, because that's where that kind of yeah. character would be the best. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we want more Peekpa. That's what we're saying. We'll take more Peekpa. And I'm I'm working on a, a design. I'm trying to <gasps> I'm, I might be pen? making a Peekpa. Uh, no, for a T-shirt, but we could do oh, a button. Oh, a pen. Yeah. Oh, we both. But yeah, yes. I have I have an idea for a fun design for a Peekpa T-shirt because I mean you can't you can't not have a Peekpa T-shirt. No, we need a Peekpa T-shirt. Yeah, so I'm working Peekpa, on. Peekpa can Peekpa be our new mascot? Yeah, why not? Right. We've yeah, never had a, mascot I mean, she's before. A, she's like a nerdy kind of character, you know. She likes the she likes her tech and stuff. I'm sure she likes her books too. Yeah. Oh, you know what? One thing we didn't talk about the voice that they do for the Ugnaught in this book. <laughs> it didn't stand out to me. What what was it? It was like this weird pig noise. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It was pretty funny. I enjoyed it. Good job, Mark Thompson. You got you can't well. have Cloud City without an Ugnaught, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It just makes me think though of Hondo and his Ugnaught. Yeah. That, was... he, that he throws in the was... last episodes of Rebel. He flings them on the thing. <laughs> uh, we need sleep. Yes. So with that, I think we can wrap up. So thank you for listening to episode 91 of Star Wars Bookworms. And until next time, you can find us on Twitter at SWBookworms. You can email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com if you want to tell us your thoughts on this episode or on this book if you read it. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Bookworms. We also have our Facebook group. If you want to join up, uh, let us know. And we just have a couple of entry questions, and then we'll let you in the group. You can find us on iTunes, as usual. If you haven't left us a review yet, we'd love for you to do that. You can find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram, at IceColdPenguin. And you can find me, at AVGoins. So until next time. Keep on reading, and may the Force be with you. The, the short story that Daniel Jose Older wrote for from a certain point of uh, man, blah, 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 blah. the short story that Daniel Jose Older wrote for from a certain point of view <laughs> take three uh, you're not the only one that's tired um, the short story that Daniel Jose Older wrote in from a sort certain jeez uh, oh my god no, okay I, I got you I got you I got no, you I just can't okay. yeah you do I got it. It. you do it no. So...